You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Caroline Ziv. She is a former TV producer for Dateline, for Oprah, and now she runs a video production company in Chicago called Big Red Bike Media. Caroline, welcome to the What Works podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Well, this is so exciting. Uh, we've, we've had a, a good opportunity to talk prior to, to recording here. And, and one of the things we, we wanted to know from you is Big Red Bike Media. Where does this name yeah. come from? It's such a fascinating name. Uh, well, I started when I decided to start my own company. I wanted to come up with a catchy URL, a catchy name. And I started uh, spitballing, just throwing names in there of things that I thought were interesting and so many URLs were taken. I think a lot of people are URL hoarders now that they take great names <laughs> and then they just keep them and then they sell them at a huge profit. So I was thinking of things that I love and I love riding my bike. So I thought, oh, I was frustrated at this point. I thought, okay, what about red bicycle? That was taken. What about red bike? That was taken. And I happen to have, I live in Chicago, but I have a big red bike. So I tried big red bike media because big red bike itself was taken right and big red bike media was not so i took it because i love my bike and i love media and uh it was available and so that's how the name came about that's awesome well that makes me smile here because uh jason how many urls do you own i'm one of those domain hoarders that you're talking about (laughs) yes well are you going to retire at a young age because you're you're you know charging people fifty thousand dollars to buy the url (laughs) Well, I don't want you to get angry with me, but um, I did have an offer for a, a, a URL to be told at twenty five thousand. Did you? Re- what can you share? What it was? Uh, yeah, I can. the The URL is um, playdots dot com. Play dots. I don't even know what that is. Play dots. Um, so you know that dot game where you you, you put those little uh, those little dots in kind of a in a grid, and then and then and you, you draw lines squares. between them to to connect squares. That's the that name is the the game of the, the name of the game is dots. And I thought, well, we could write software to have the dots game. And if you wanted to play dots, where you'd go, you'd go to playdots.com. Oh, it's a good idea. That's a good idea. I, I I happen to have a couple URLs myself, if I'm going to be completely honest, yeah. that I'm waiting to hit. Um, but they have, but, but suffice it to say, I have to keep my day job. They haven't hit yet. But that's okay. Uh, I have to keep my day job too. Well, let's talk about your yeah. day job. Um, let's yeah, let's talk. Thanks about for you. circling that back around, Alex. That was good, wasn't it? All right. <laughs> so you were you were producer of some for some big name properties um, for quite a yeah. while. Why did you make the leap into starting your own production company? Um, Chicago is a fantastic city. I was was living in Chicago. I'm still living. I live part-time in Chicago and part-time in Florida. And it's an amazing city. Uh, But for national television, there was not a lot. When the Oprah show went off the air, which was the last TV show that I worked for, there's not a lot of national television. Talk shows, not a lot of, there are more, there's Chicago Fire and Chicago PD and all that kind of stuff, but we're talking about daytime talk, and there wasn't a lot of it in Chicago, there still isn't, but I wanted to stay in Chicago, and video production is something I've done as a function of my jobs, my various TV jobs. And I thought, well, everybody needs video, and we're talking about five years ago when it was even more to the front of the wave than it is now. Now I think it's sort of accepted as, um, 
everybody has to have video on their website. But even five years ago, I was thinking, well, this is going to be something that's going to be really huge. So uh, to stay in Chicago, I will have to carve something out for myself. And so I decided to focus on video production. And so that's how it that's how it came about. So for video production, for what types of videos or what types of companies do you focus on? I don't focus. I uh, I think my if we can call it a specialty, our specialty is to um, what I've been calling network quality videos. So um, primarily for use on social media, but we do work for nonprofits or brands. Anybody who comes to us, anybody who needs videos, we. Are some uh, might be more affordable than people think, and we'd like to say we're our standards are very very high. We feel we're we're a boutique video production company, so we can really dedicate a lot of time and thought uh, and patience with people who have never even done uh, videos before to make sure that whatever it is they're trying to convey comes across. And uh, it's uh, so I, I can't say that we have a specialty. Uh, this sounds sort of corny, but it's true. Our specialty is just sort of to bring to life whatever it is that the client wants us to do, whatever uh, message that is. No, that's fair. I think that's uh, if you look at kind of our specialty too. We we um, we do business development, and that involves a lot of things: technology, marketing, communications, and business consulting. And and it and like you're talking about, you know, it, it's how how are you going to get that message across? Sometimes uh, it's it's through various ways. Now you you talk about having such high standards, and that you must have some pretty high standards because of the organizations that you've worked with before. Now I'm I'm just reading from a list here. You've you've uh, you've worked with Saturday Night Live, Good Morning America, Dateline, Oprah. You've covered a lot of of high um, uh, high impact stories. Countdown to the Millennium, President Clinton's impeachment, Jeff, John F. Kennedy Jr.'s plane crash. You you've you've got quite the resume, um, and and to embark now on your own on your organization and on your own company, that's got to be a pretty big change. Oh, it's a huge change, and you know w- one of the things um, that. Uh, I talked about when I first started because I wanted to get a, attention for the company. I still do. So thanks for talking to me. But I was talking to somebody in Crane's Chicago business, and I was saying uh, when I was at Oprah and actually the other TV shows as well, but when you're at a, a, a place like the places you just mentioned, everybody answers your phone call. Everybody either yeah. picks up the phone if they know it's you or they return your phone call, which is something that I really intentionally did in my career. I wanted to be on the receiving end, having people contact. Uh, I, I would contact people and I knew they would get back to me. Now I'm on the other side of that so that I'm reaching out to people and I'm sometimes not getting callbacks. And it's a very, very, um, it's a different thing. It's humbling, which actually has <laughs> been kind of great, even though uh, it's been challenging at times. But it's 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 a completely different thing to be on the pitching side versus being on the receiving side of pitches. Oh, you're, you're so pre- it hasn't come. To- you're preaching. Uh, sorry, you're pre- go ahead. Yeah, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I spent 22 years in newspapers, and I assumed 98 percent of the time I made a phone call, I could just sit there and wait for my phone call back. So right. I'm three years into communications, where I have to reach out and try to get you know schedule people or occasionally try to get meetings set and it and I still get this kind of cold 
uh, you know, chills over me when I have to make a second, a third, a fourth call, <laughs> right? Well, I completely agree with you. And I'll tell well, I'm teaching a class right now. A friend of mine has started um, at Lake Forest College uh, outside of Chicago. She started this amazing entrepreneurship and design program. And she already won the Entrepreneur Teacher of the Year Award, and she's only been doing it for this is her second year. So that tells you how incredible she is. I, I know she's going to end up doing a TED. Within two years, she's going to end up doing a TED Talk. Anyway, I am teaching a class for them. And in addition to the curriculum stuff, I thought for, curriculum is great. Curriculum is curriculum. It's great. But I want to kind of give them world, you know, what's the right word? Practical advice about working. And one of the things I said I kind of have said more than once is that nobody's going to call you back because I, I connected a couple students with uh, people who could give them internships and they said to me, Oh yeah, we called them and they didn't call me back. And I said, no one will ever call <laughs> not to be a Debbie Downer, but no one will ever call you back. Right. Right. No one calls you back. You need to call them two times, three times, four times. And the first TV job I got um, after uh, uh, Saturday Night Live was a short was a short stint, um, and the first full time TV job I got. This isn't an exaggeration to say I called the contact twenty times and left messages. I was always very polite, and he never called back and said like Stop stalking me, lady." So I felt it was okay to keep calling him, but I called about twenty times, and so that's one of the things I've been saying to these students. Like real life advice is. You're going to have to keep, even though it's unfair and annoying, you're going to have to be the one to keep initiating, right? That's what that's that has that been your experience too? Oh, absolutely. Persistence, uh, the old adage, you know, persistence pays off. That's very true. You have to be just be persistent. No, no, nothing's just going to happen for you. You, the only thing that's going to happen are the things you make happen in in many cases. So yeah. Pr- so producer. For for the for the for those of us who uh, don't quite understand the 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 role of different people in media, to walk us through this role of producer. What what is a producer? Who is a producer in in the context of media? Um, well, it's different for different. It's different within different organizations. It's different within different uh, platforms, entities. So a film producer might be different from a TV producer and a talk TV producer might be different from a, um, a a producer who's working on a primetime show. So I I can speak to what I did as a news producer. Um, and then sort of as a daytime talk producer, Uh, what you do is you flesh out a you either you pit you can either pitch a story or have a story assigned to you and then your role is to flesh it out and and turn it into turn it into content so let's say we're going to do a story about um i'm going to say weight loss because that was that's an evergreen topic but this happens to be sort of a daytime talk show topic evergreen daytime talk show topic um so you figure out how you're going to tell the story about weight loss and you find people who have compelling stories. You probably find background information having to do with what, how, uh, what's, what's going on in society in terms of weight loss. You probably might go out and shoot interviews with people. You write a show script so whoever is hosting knows uh, what they're talking, what, what the talking points are. You prepare the guests for when they're going to be on the show. And then sometimes after the show, your job is to 
if it's a tape show, your job is to uh, cut the interviews or cut the segments down to time. So it's basically um, creating a story like you like you do with your print. Um, you you, you take a topic and you turn it into a story. You're, you know, it's storytelling. And all the elements, if you're doing a, a TV show, there's all, obviously visual elements, so you have to get those all in line too. So that's what a, at a 30,000 foot view, that's what a TV producer, daytime talk TV producer does. Well, let's talk about Big uh, Red Bike Media. Your role in the process is what now at this point in your career? Are you out, you know, landing the deals, signing the contracts, and then turning it over to staff? Or are you still actively, uh, you know, in the trenches, um, you know, in the video part of it? Oh, very much in the trenches, very much in the trenches. So I'll have the client and then I'll just sit down with the client and say, okay, let's talk about this. What you, you, you want to use video, which as I said earlier, I think everybody does now. So who's your end user? Who do you want to appeal to? And what's your approach? Do you want it to be funny? Do you want it to be serious? Do you want it to, do you want to just convey information? Um, and then talk about visually if they have an idea of what they're thinking in terms of visuals. Um, I ask, I like people to, if they feel like it, to look at a video or send us a video or a couple of videos that they like, either the, the feeling of it um, or the way it looks, just to give us some sort of direction. Um, and then, I'm, then we lay out a process how we're going to get there and we talk it over with them and then I'm there in the entire process of executing it from the uh, writing the outlines to going on the shoot to writing the script afterwards to supervising the edits and then talking with the client afterward to make sure that we get it exactly the way they want it. Is the market, I remember when uh, the recession hit and nobody was building homes anymore, but everybody was doing remodelings. So I talked to a remodeling company. I'm like, boy, you must be really busy. He's like, no, because all the home builders are now remodelers. Well, you know, I think now everybody wants video, as you said, but the barriers to entry on the video side keep, you know, dropping in terms of cost and things like that. So they do. are you busier than they ever do. or is it more competitive than ever? Well, you know, it's sort of like buying a car. You can, you can get a car for a hundred bucks, you can get a car for, I don't know how much is, what's the most expensive car out there? Hundreds of thousands of dollars car. So, um, and to some extent, the the amount you pay is going to reflect in the final product. So yes, I completely agree with you. The cameras are getting cheaper. Um, Some people are even shooting things on their iPhones. Uh, But to to me, and I'm not just saying this because I'm in the business, the quality just doesn't compare. If you have somebody who's professionally shot something compared to somebody who's an amateur shooting something, there's no comparison. Uh, lighting is hugely important. Producing even is important. You know, I was just, I'm look, right now working on some footage that somebody else shot, and you can tell that there wasn't a producer there just because of the way the conversation went. So, uh, for some things, I think just amateur footage of amateur video production is totally fine. But for something important, um, it's worth the money to hire somebody who knows what they're doing, who will light it well and produce it well and edit it well, and uh, it, it will look professional. So give us an example maybe uh, from from where you're at today in Big Red, Big Red Bike Media. Give us an example of a project that you are, you're pretty proud that you worked on. 
You know, honestly, I'm proud of everything that we work on just because, um, and I think, again, and maybe other other um, business owners would say the same thing, but we, the, the clients that we have are clients that just keep coming back to us again and again and again. So, uh, and one of the great things of work, about working in TV, which is sort of the same thing as doing what we're doing now or what I'm doing now, is that... Uh, you were on a different topic all the time. So when you're working in TV, every week has you're working on a different topic. So you learn something with each new topic you're researching. And it's the same thing with this. So one of our big clients is the National Alliance to End Homelessness, and they're in Washington, D.C. And for every year, they focus on a different issue regarding homelessness. One of them had to do with veteran homelessness. So we flew to Houston, Texas, which had done amazing work in in finding housing. It's a whole model, but they found housing for homeless veterans in Houston. And they were, the Alliance was giving them award for essentially ending homelessness for for veterans, which is just an incredible uh, uh, feat, accomplishment. So I interviewed these, these men and women who were veterans, some from Vietnam and some from more recent, um, Wars, and it was absolutely incredible to hear their stories. Then the next year, they focused on family homelessness. So we flew to Minnesota and we interviewed families who had been homeless. Um, so uh, it, it, every every client that we've worked with, uh, fortunately, you know, we've had long term clients, and every year their focus is slightly different. So we get to go along with them and learn from whatever new thing that they're evolving to the next year. And so that's been, that's been great. It's a, it's a great way to not get bored with what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you've, you've built some longstanding relationships that, and people have, have come to trust that they're going to get the, uh, their story told in a way that, that's that, that it needs to be told. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's true with all of us, isn't it? Like think about, um, I don't know, uh, who is it that you go back to again and again for, for, for men, I don't know, like a barber. Is there a, like you, you find a barber that you really like and you just keep going back to them or some, a car mechanic or uh, somebody who provides a service for you. It's so, it's so much easier to find somebody you like yeah. and just keep going back to them, isn't it? You're absolutely right. I mean, you, you bring up the idea of a barber and, and I am the, I, uh, it's so, it's so um, timely because I had this conversation with my barber. Her name is Francesca. Uh, and I and I came came across Francesca because um, I had worked with somebody else at her office and it, and it wasn't quite the experience I was hoping for. And somebody said, "Hey, you should really work with Francesca." So Francesca understands what I want on my hair, and it's very simple. Like I don't have hardly any hair, so it just kind of gets buzzed down <laughs> in a certain way, uh, which makes things very easy, in my opinion. But apparently, that's also hard to do. Uh, because you got to, you know, it's it's got to feather out just the right. But one of the things that she, had, you know, I guess all barbers do this. But one thing she does, she occupies her time with right at the end is she spins me around, puts a mirror in front, and says, "What do you think?" And I told her one day, I was like, "I I trust that it's going to be right. That's why I keep mm. coming back to you." And I said, "And that's not a that's not a small deal to me that I know that I'm going to sit here and it's just going to come out perfect because I don't ever have to think about it." I know it's going to be mm-hmm. right. So you don't actually need to spin mm-hmm. me around and double check with me because I trust you. And that was, mm-hmm. and she was like, and she kind of chuckled. And I said, like, no, I'm actually, I'm really serious uh, because, because she says, you don't care. 
And I said, no, 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 don't. I, I might use the words I don't care, but it's, it's actually, I enjoy the fact that I don't have to think about it because I care so much about what it is that you're doing. And she, and it kind of settled into her mind. It's like, oh, wow. Um, and I, and I think that's what you're talking about. You, when you go, when you return to somebody who, you know, is just going to nail it every time, all of a sudden, uh, all the countless worries, the things that kind of just are, are floating around in the ether, none of those become question marks anyhow, uh, at that point in time. And I, well, I think it's actually really nice. I'm going to give really nice that you could say that to somebody too, because I think a lot of people don't feel valued and, and, uh, and so many people are just so incredibly busy, right? Everybody just seems to be like spinning tops busy. So I think it's really, really meaningful that to take the time to, to say what you said to her, because, uh, she probably, she probably doesn't hear it enough. She probably doesn't hear it very often. It's possible. Um, and it, it, and it, it makes a real difference to people's uh, well-being, right? To know that what they're doing, that people are noticing what they're doing, and they're appreciating what they're doing. No, you're absolutely right. I, I think it. I think it's hugely important. Yeah, and you know, uh, we recently renovated a house, and I have a list of people who I trust, who I just go back to again and again and again because it's so much easier than trying to start over again and find somebody find somebody new and see if that works out so it's team it's yeah. like, it's team building i mean you hear that a lot um more and more people are becoming consultants or you know b- doing their own thing but in the end yeah. they still end up building teams around them so that when work comes in and they need something done they don't have to they don't have to worry right so you've built yeah. your team and you stick with your team yeah you know what the you know what the end result is going to be. So, in starting your own business, I mean, this is a kind of a new journey for you, obviously. In starting your own business, let's talk about some surprises that you didn't expect. What what has come your way that you that's like, oh man, this is this is not something I I had set out to to think about, and now it's here. Um, I didn't realize how um how you really have to do it all when you're starting a small business and I'm sure you guys can identify with this too. You really have to do everything yourself. You can't, you know, it's a, it, it's, it was a tremendous difference to go from a big organizations. So I worked at, uh, um, uh, ABC, which, you know, was owned by Disney and I worked by NBC and these huge organizations that have tiers of support, every kind of support you can imagine from, uh, you know, cafeterias to people who will take care of the mail to uh, people who will come and tidy up the office, which is w- wonderful and a fantastic luxury. But then when you're on your own, you have to do everything, right? Every, 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 everything. And um, it's, it's hard. It's hard because we're not all, we're not all brilliant in everything, right? Uh, we're not, you, you, uh, I getting the, um, all the paperwork, all the financial stuff, the everything that you need to apply to start a business. I wasn't, I wasn't experienced with that. I didn't know how to do that. There was all these things I didn't have to do. So there's this steep learning curve. Um, so I think that that was the thing that hit, hit, hit me right off the bat. You guys starting a podcast, right? You probably had to learn. There was a steep learning curve for how to do a podcast, right? And there was probably a lot of trial and error. Well, there was a three month um, delay because I. 
it was a communication issue. I thought Jason wanted me to learn how to edit, which I did not want to do, but I was starting to. And then finally he goes, no, 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 just find somebody, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that was a communication oh. thing on our end. So we ended, up, we ended up hiring somebody to edit the podcast, and that's how we got started. <laughs> Well, yes, and that's. I think we covered it in, a, in, a, in another podcast at one point in time that that the podcast began as an experiment a year or two prior, uh, and I had bought some equipment and put it in there, and I because I know how to edit podcasts, I know how to do. I'm like I'm a geek and a techie and a sound guy in my after hours, and in 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 doing this, um, I underestimated how much time I would have, how much time and interest actually I would have in doing the 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 other parts kind of like the production side of things uh and so you know we'd, we'd ended up with some sample podcasts but no guests they were all internal uh and they weren't edited down uh very well because i i had other things to do so i underestimated the amount of time that i was going to have available to do that work uh and and so one of the things we talk about, and maybe you've experienced this too, one of the things we talk about with people is if you're no good at and you don't like it, well, you should find somebody to do that for you because for everything you're no good at and don't like, there's somebody who loves that and is great at it. That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah, you know, that, that's I completely agree with you. But, you know, one of the things this friend who is, is teaching, which is sort of relevant to what we're talking about is, um, she, this is a friend who's doing the, the course at Lake Forest College, the, actually the whole curriculum at Lake Forest College having to do is entrepreneurship. One of the things that her, her, her real mission is to teach people um, resilience and that failure is okay. Um, she, that she fully believes that the, the, the more resilient you are and the more you're okay with failing, the better um, entrepreneur you're going to be. So I think that's true for all of us. Like what, the, the more comfortable we can get with messing up a little bit um, and bouncing back from, I guess the key is bouncing back from it, right? And the more comfortable we can get with failing and bouncing back from it, the more successful and happy we're going to be just in general. Yeah, I I think uh, I read that. Um, There was a study, and I'll get the specifics all wrong, so I'll stay away from them, but there was a study that tracked people over, let's say, 30 years, uh, and the the opportunity in this study was to figure out what, what were the indicators that led to success. And they, they, after tracking people, determined that the, the primary indicator for success is resiliency. It's not whether you're smartest or if you have uh-huh. the, the best grow, growing up time frame and all this other stuff. It's really that you, that you made the best of where, or where you were at. And when, th- and when troubles came, you bounced back from them. And the people, who, hmm. the people who can't bounce back, well, they don't bounce back. And that's true of whether you're highly successful or, you know, we're highly successful or no longer highly successful, uh, or whether you grew up in a, in a troubled neighborhood or you didn't, if you can't bounce back, well, you just can't bounce back. And that's, that's, um, so I, I, I agree with you. I think in, in terms of being an entrepreneur, it sounds like you have experienced in, in like these challenges of you go from this massive support structure to nothing. And now it's just you on the line doing everything. Well, that requires a lot of resiliency. You you probably were doing a lot of things that you didn't want to do, uh, and and you've probably experienced some some challenges uh, as part of that too. Yes, but you know what? I and and one of the things I would say that um, I'm I'm most pr- proud of is um, sticking with it and not take not doing the easy thing. 
And as you were talking, one of the things I was thinking about, um, I think in society in general, we don't spend enough time talking, and maybe it's going to change, I don't know, but because you were, you were reading something about it, but we don't spend enough time talking about how failure is okay. Yeah. And on social media, you, you know, I, I have one particular friend, and I, I've said to her every single picture she posts, she's the cliche social media poster who is literally, she's drinking champagne on a beach in Tahiti. Every day. And then the next one, she, <laughs> she, you know, she's toasting with her husband at a chalet in France. And I said to her, just put something in there. Like, uh, uh, you, you dropped a dish or you burned the chicken, right? Just, just throw something in there that is not uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And she didn't do it. And I think social media, and that's, uh, you know, I'm not on Facebook a lot. I, I find it a little, uh, just kind of, it's not. A little repetitive for me, but I wish we spent more time talking about and focusing on what you just described. This like there are th- there are a lot failing of a little bit and then standing up. Yeah, there yeah. are a lot of things I Go think be, need to be normalized. We work with an organization that part of the goal. Uh, it's they don't say it this way, but I think it's a good way to put it. Is they want to normalize the discussions around depression and suicide. That that this is a Absolutely. real thing, and people get depressed, and if they can't talk about it, well, that leads to further depression, and. And it's okay. Like, you should be okay to say, I'm depressed, and I don't know where I'm headed right now, and things are dark, and I need some help. And, and, Absolutely. And failure is no different. Like, if, if the, the, the beginning of failure uh, is, is like looking at a steep mountain from the, from the top down. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go all the way down to the bottom, and I used to be at the top. And, and at that point in time... The, the journey the journey begins and every time you don't talk about it you just continue down the mountain uh, and and then if you were at the mountain well you've learned a whole lot of stuff that really should catapult you into something new but if you can't talk about that then it doesn't uh, and and kind of like that idea of if you don't bounce back well you, you just don't bounce back it, it's it's uh I agree with you there's there is something that we have to do we do have to normalize failure as part of success. I like, yes, I like the way you said that we have to normalize failure as part of success. I think that's a great sentence right there. I wish we could put it on a bumper sticker, although nobody would understand it. But I think that's—I think I completely <laughs> agree with what you're saying. And you know, somebody who's normalizing what you just described, depression, is the um, actress Lena Dunham. You know her from Girls, the, the woman from Girls. Yes. You guys might—you guys might not know her. Uh, anyway, she's an actress. She's got a huge following on uh, social media, and she suffers from, among other things, she suffers from depression. And she's been really outspoken about it. And um, I, I think it's fantastic because she's—it's she's really appealing to a, y- a lot of young girls um, who are in this, you know, Instagram world where everything is perfect and fabulous and selfies and all that jazz. So I think it's great that she's out there talking about what you're talking about, which is sort of saying, "Hey, I suffer from depression, but I'm getting through it, and it's okay." I'm I'm a big sports fan, and one of the things they've been doing in the NBA is um, publicizing um, players who have anxiety disorders. I mean, you know, when they fail, hmm. they fail in front of twenty thousand people, and you know, on, on the male side, you're not supposed to show that kind of weakness. 
So that's been fascinating to see the NBA um, kind of delve into that subject. Is that, you know, you've, you've got, you know, quite a few years left in your career. Is there, are there certain kinds of stories that you'd like to tell that you haven't been able to tell well enough yet? I mean, you know, you talk a lot about um, homelessness and things like that, but, are, you know, is there a project out there that you just love to tackle? I, um, no, cause you know, in all I've been, I, I did, um, hundreds of interviews in the course of my career across, I won't say every kind of topic cause that's a, that's an exaggeration, but a lot, a lot, a lot of topics. So there's nothing that I'm dying to, to, to do. But I like the challenge of whatever anybody brings to us. I like, I like starting from scratch and trying to to tell somebody's story and make them happy. As opposed to you know, in t- in TV, when you're producing for TV, you don't really have a client beyond your boss or your bosses. That's your client. Uh, so this is a very different animal. That's, that, that, that frankly is probably the biggest difference is that I have a client who I'm catering to making the client happy, sort of like a, a decorator. When you're, when she he or she is decorating your home, your goal is to design it so that the homeowner is happy, not necessarily that you're happy, it's that the homeowner's happy, um, so that's a lot of what I'm trying to do is make the client happy. Um, so that's very different from making myself happy in a way. How big, does that how, make sense or is that confusing? It does. Um, but I have a question. So, uh, you know, we're from Rockford. We're about an hour and a half away from, from you. Um, how big of an area will you travel? I mean, you live part-time down in Florida. You live part-time in Chicago. Do you do all of your work within Chicago or? Oh, God, no. Okay. No, we don't do much of our work in Chicago, no. We fly We fly everywhere. Yeah, that's easy. It's easy. Everything's remote now. You can do everything remotely. And I sit, I used to sit um, in the editing suite with my with my editor. So, but now we do it all remotely. So I will send him the script to and he will edit, and then we will either screen share um, and look at it together, or he will send it to me, and I'll make comments and go back and forth. So um, everything is remote. It's everything's so easy now, and the equipment's smaller, so it's easy to travel with equipment. So, so if, no, if there's an organization out there that listens to this and says, you know, I want I want my story told better, or for the first time, you know, how do they start the process with you? They just send an email and say, hey, we, we want to do a video. And that's how the process starts. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're like, hey, we do that. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's surprisingly easy, actually. We, you know, we've done it so many times that, it, that it, we've got it done. And we make it really, really easy. Because as you, you were talking about earlier, you have to farm out things that you don't do well, right? Whatever that is. If you're not, uh, if you're not handy, you call somebody who's handy, right? If you don't cook, you can do Blue Apron or you can go out for dinner. Um, video production, even though what we were talking about earlier that a lot of people have cameras and their Uncle Al says, I can do it for you. It's really, a, it, 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 it requires, I think, um, 
expert, some expertise and some experience. And so that's what we do. You know, we, we take it off. Uh, we did a promo video recently and we said, we take it off a year to do list and put it on ours because it's, it's not easy. I don't think, I don't think it's easy to do. I don't think it's easy for people to do it well. So I think you need to hire somebody who knows how to do it and make it easy. Take it off your own list, take it off your to-do list and put it on ours. I totally agree with you. Well, in in closing, it sounds like the place to start with you is bigbreadbikemedia.com, spelled Ooh. just like it sounds. Yes. <laughs> so so Caroline, any any uh, any last closing words you want to give us? No, it's been it's been really fun to chat with you and um have a conversation. I love having good conversations with people. I think that's why I got into, I know that's why I got into the, the media field in the first place. It's just to have great conversations with people and uh, learn from them. And I think that's what we've done today. So I've really enjoyed it. I thought maybe big red bike media was like Rosebud, right? From Citizen Kane. I was looking for something like that, right? <laughs> but no, it's the URL, oh, yeah. the, yes. the URL it, angle. It, it was, it, it was my uh, childhood password to my <laughs> great grandfather's uh, safety deposit box. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> well, Caroline, this is this is wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the What Works podcast. Thanks, you guys. It was really fun, and um, keep up the good work. The What Works Podcast is a production of Thinker Ventures. Learn more at thinkerventures.com.